Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. notes out. We are closing out our May collection of talks called Stepping Into Victory. Turn to the person next to you, give them a little elbow and tell them, hey, you got victory today. Really let them feel that elbow to remind them, number one, hey, wake up, it's message time. But number two, you got victory today. And that's really the whole idea of this conversation is that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. But I remember one of our team members sent me a video earlier on when we were getting ready to start these talks And it was from one of my favorite TED Talk speakers named Simon Sinek. And he was talking about how it's not so much about just mental health, it's about building a good mental fitness in our life. That as we build that fitness, we become able to take on more and do more and step into deeper things. Like tomorrow, I'm not signing up to run a marathon because I know I'm not in the fitness to do it. But maybe down the line, if I start working now, I can be in that health, I can be in that strong fitness to maybe do that. Now, I have no desire to do that, but it could be a goal if the Lord tells me, right? And so for us, I think as we've taken all these collection of talks from dealing with anxiety in our life and depression and and talking through loneliness, that we can build a fitness in us that will help us run better the marathon of life spiritually to get that breath that we need, to get that strength that comes from the Lord. And today that I want you to really know that you can step out of any sort of victimhood that you're feeling and step into victory. And today's title of our message together is Do Not Fear. Do Not Fear. See, I don't think fear is necessarily a clinically diagnosed mental health issue. But I do believe and have experienced in my life that it contributes to things like depression and anxiety and loneliness because it begins to take hold of us. Maybe you heard this old acronym, which I don't think it's accurate at all. It helps maybe little kids, but as you become an adult, you're like, nah, man, this is some real stuff I'm dealing with. Maybe you've heard of the acronym of fear, false evidence appearing real. Now, when my son Shepard tells me he's afraid of the monsters in his room, that's false. And I'm like, bro, that's false evidence. It's not real. Let's get some sleep. Let's pray. God's with you because daddy needs some sleep too, all right? And don't worry, I can handle these monsters. But see, in our life, we begin to realize that there are real fears out there. The fear of failure. The fear of loneliness. The fear of letting our life pass us by without doing anything great. The fear of people not accepting us. The fear of even does God really love me? What am I really giving my life to something that's going to matter in the long run? What I'd love for you to write down as we start our talks today is that the most frequently used commandment throughout the entire Bible is fear not. If you get the text that we sent out, I let you know today in our mass text that we send to the church that this idea of fear not is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. Now that's a lot. If I were to say something to you 300 times, you'd be like, okay, I get it. Adrienne knows me very well that she needs to tell me things multiple times. 
because sometimes I may not catch every important piece of information that is there. Now, hopefully it's not 300 times, but maybe three times I'll get it. Well, God says, fear not over 300 times. Why? Because he knows there's things that we're afraid of. He knows that it's easy to give in to fear. I was doing some research through our good old friend Google and realized that there are over 500 named phobias that doctors prescribe people. Now, I brought a list of them. Maybe you're familiar with some of, some of them. The first one is acrophobia. If you're afraid of heights, anyone afraid of heights? It's okay, we can be honest here. No one. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm going to set up a ladder outside and put you to the test, all right? Acrophobia, fear of heights. The next one is claustrophobia, the fear of confined small spaces, which is why some of you always make sure you have a few seats in between you and the person next to you that you don't know. Um, I'm trying to pronounce this one right. It's odontiatophobia, which is the fear of the dentist. Anyone afraid of the dentist? I'm more, not afraid of what the dentist is going to do. I'm just, I'm afraid of the shame that the dentist puts on you when he's like, have you been flossing? No. You know, like, ah, you know, when they look in your mouth and like, ew, what's going on in there? Uh, <laughs> then there's triscodecophobia, which is the fear of the number 13. That's why some of you, Friday the 13th, ah! You know, I don't know why. But then this one, I think I have this one. This is oladoxophobia, which is the fear of other people's opinions. Yeah, I don't really care what other people think, right? Like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm afraid of it. I don't need to hear it. But there's over 500 of those, right? And for me, it's realizing that we like to focus on fear. It's why things like thrill rides and horror movies are whole genres of things that we love to experience. I'm 35 years old. I don't watch scary movies, man, because I know I'm not sleeping. If I watch these, I don't do it. My friend's like, bro, let's go see this. I'm like, nah, man, I can't do it. I will not be able to sleep, okay? I'll have to put a nightlight on and all that good stuff, and I'm the parent in the scenario. The thing is, we love to be thrilled. We love to have fear take over us, but I don't think it's a healthy way to live our life. And God has prescribed us some antidotes to this fear. We've been reading this verse every single week. Psalm 34, one through four says this, I will praise the Lord at all times in the good times, in the bad times, in the courageous times, and in the fearful times, just like Pastor Joe said, I will praise the Lord. I will constantly speak my praises, no, his praises. I will boast in my strength, no, I will boast only in the Lord. Maybe this is you today, let all who are helpless take heart. Jesus would use that term when he says, do not be afraid, take heart, because I've overcome the world. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. That's why Sundays are so powerful. There's intensity in the density of community today, and I believe that intensity can bring healing, can bring strength, can bring courage to your life. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me, and here's what I want for you today. He freed me from all my fears. I don't know what you're afraid of today. It's probably deeper than the number 13 or the dentist. There's probably some deeper fears that you're carrying today that no one knows about, but you know that every waking moment of your life is controlled by this fear. And sometimes it's an easy one, and sometimes it's a real identity issue because of hurts from the past. But here's what I want for you today, local city. The sermon in a sentence this morning is this. Write it down. Never let fear decide your future. Never let fear decide your future. I remember when I first went to Bush Gardens with my family a long time ago, 
They have, again, they have roller coasters there, and I was very afraid of them. I had wanted nothing to do with them. And I remember my dad was like, hey, you're getting older now. It's time to face your fears. Let's go. So we stood in line for a new roller coaster at that time, which is very old now, which makes me scared to go on it because I know how long it's been around. And it's the Montu, where your feet hang, all that stuff. Yeah, first roller coaster I ever went on. Scared to death, waiting in line, hearing those screams. And then I remember getting in line, and somehow we, we got in the front row line. It was a little trick I guess my dad liked to play on me. And so we're in the front row line, and we get in there, and they buckle the thing down. And you know what freaks me out about the rides that have these is when they don't have the seat belt there. You're just holding on to the fact that this computer system is going to hold the thing down. As a little kid, as we do now today, even as adults, all the little scenarios are, what if it opens up? What if I got to hold it down? Ah! Right? And so that, all of that is playing through my head as the click, click, click of doom begins to happen. And we're clicking up one thing at a time, and I'm kicking my feet. And then I start to be afraid, what if my shoes fall off? I'm going to have to go through the whole rest of the day at Bush Gardens with no shoes, right? That's so fun. People are going to be making fun of me. Look at this shoeless kid. I couldn't deal with that. I had low self-esteem at that time, right? And so the click, click, click happens. And if you've ever been on the Montu at Bush Gardens, you know it takes that big turn, and you start going down. And I remember this moment to this day of that, oh yeah, this is awesome. Like that move from being really afraid to this is awesome. And man, I wanted to go on it again and again and again. And today that's what I want for you. You may be going through the click, click, click right. Okay, Pastor Ryan, you're hitting on some touchy things. You're opening my mail right now. What I want for you today as we go through this conversation is to move from the ah, to oh man, this is awesome. Because when I'm afraid, it's a chance for God to become what I cannot be. When I'm afraid, it's a chance for me to choose courage, not in some emotion, but in the person and the victor of Jesus Christ in my life. Here's what it says in Psalm 34, 5 through 8. Those who look to him, to Jesus, to God for help, will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. This is important. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles, for the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the joys of those who take refuge in him. What I want for you today is joy. And when I was looking up kind of the simple definition of fear, it has two definitions, which I believe will help us today. What is fear? It's anxiety caused by real or possible danger. Really was a real thing. I could fall out of that roller coaster. But then a healthy fear in our life is when that moves to awe, this is awesome, and that reverence. And I believe today, some of us, we may even have a deep-seated fear of God. Oh, if God only knew, or if, I mean, if you say God knows, I'm afraid to even tell him that, or I can't come to God because of what I've done or what I'm feeling, or I'm good, I don't need him. What I would hope is that you would move from A to B today, from that anxiety-driven danger fear to an awe of God, you are so awesome. And I can't believe I get to know you. I can't believe the all-powerful creator of the universe wants a relationship with me. I can't believe the son of God who conquered sin and death and the grave wants to have a friendship with me and wants to help me live this life and give me courage to conquer those things that I'm facing. I cannot believe that I can have access to this God. It's awesome. I revere it, and I know its power. Come on, we can give some thanks for that today. And as we pray, I pray that you would just release everything else in your mind fears, anxieties, emotions. Just lean into what God has for us today. Would you pray with me as we open up our Bibles in this time of God's word? Lord, we thank you so much 
that you're a good God. We thank you so much that even though we may feel afraid, we don't have to live in fear. And I'm praying for that freedom today. God, we love you. What a powerful time of worship. And as worship has prepared our hearts, I pray that this message would go down deep in our hearts. Be with us in this room. God, be with our kids down the hall as they do an awesome job with our team, leading our little sons and daughters and our next generation leaders to know that Jesus is their best friend too and they don't have to live in fear either. And God, I pray that you truly would make this a mile-marking, milestone day for the trajectory of our life. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Come give me a good amen, local city, if you're ready for today. Yes. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, fire. That's an interesting thing to think about, right? Because fire is something that we can be afraid of. We know that when we touch it, it's hot. We are telling our son now, hey, because he can reach it, don't put your hand on the stove. It's a little hot. Don't do it. Heat and fire are dangerous things. But we understand that when it's done right, when it's contained well, fire can be something that provides us warmth, that provides us light in the darkness, that provides us safety and protection, but we have to have a right approach to it. See, fear is the same kind of understanding. It's that fear can be something that destroys us when we don't really lean into it and really think about it. But when it becomes something that we realize that we have an awe of reverence towards God, it begins to be something that can bring safety to us and light in the darkness and warmth to our experience of this life as we do not fear. I love this quote from a pastor that I listen to a lot named Levi Lusco. He pastors Fresh Life Church in Montana, Oregon. They got campuses everywhere. But throw it up on the screen for me because I want you to really be encouraged by it today. It says, remember this, God isn't scared of what you're scared of. Can I get a good amen if you're thankful for that, right? But you don't have to pretend like you're not frightened. Naming your fear is part of getting through it. And I think the two things I want you to lean into is God's not afraid of whatever you're afraid of right now. And that means that that's good news for you and I. But also, God simply wants us to name that fear so that he can help us out with it. So that he can begin to show up in those areas of our life. Because he knows about him anyway, but there's something so powerful about naming it and allowing God to deal with it. Because I believe on the other side of naming your fear is, your, is you stepping into what Scripture says, the more than you could possibly ask or imagine and dream type of life that God has for you. I remember experiencing this when I was at a conference one time, a pastor was speaking, and he began to talk about the, one, uh, one of the things we can't do in heaven, right? Now, like, heaven's going to be awesome. It is going to be more than you can ask, think, or imagine, just incredibly beautiful, lifting up the presence of Jesus and being in the presence of God, eternity, it's a real place, trusting and surrendering our life to Jesus and what gives us access to go there. But what he said, what he was saying in the message was the one thing you can't do in heaven is face your fears. Because there's no fear there. I mean, there's awe and reverence, but no like fear of, oh, what's going to happen? Because we're all there already. And he began to say that he had met so many people in his life that are getting older in their life, and all they have is these regrets of not facing their fears decades earlier. Not facing their fears and just stepping into the unknown and stepping into the unseen and taking that big step of faith of saying, God, if you're real, I'm going to take that step. And he posed this question to the room. And he said, what would you do tomorrow if you knew God would help you? And immediately, something popped in my mind. Now, I had been in youth ministry for almost eight years at that time, and I loved being in youth ministry. 
It was fun. You got to go on cool trips. I loved going to camp. It energized me. I loved going on mission trips. I loved doing all those things. And I loved seeing God change the lives of our middle school and high school students at the church I was at. And I never really had another desire to do anything else. But I believe that began to move into a comfort level of, well, God, I'm not really even praying for the next thing or that new thing. My fear, I think, was losing what was comfortable. My fear was realizing that, okay, this is good. I don't want to risk the good that I have right now. And what popped in my mind in that moment, like clear as day, was plant a church. Woohoo! What? No. Like I was not, I was like 26, 27 years old at this time. I knew my fiance at that time, Adrian, was wanting nothing to do with that. And so what are we going to do? But I remember so confidently hearing from the voice of God, you're going to plant a church one day. And so I just trusted him and started to take little obedient steps towards that. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen the next year. It didn't happen in two years. But I remember taking the one step in the right direction in the face of fear, remembering that God's not afraid of what I'm afraid of. And I can name the fear of God. I'm risking a lot right now. I'm risking security and comfort for this new step of faith. And I'm always honored to hear the stories that have been changed because of that step of faith. Not to look, say, look at me, but to say, look at what an imperfect person can do when you trust fully a perfect God who is calling you into the face of fear. And we see this in Scripture. We see this in the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories in Scripture comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Now, before I throw the verse up there for you, let me give you some context, okay? So we pick up in Numbers, chapter 14, with the people of God, the nation of Israel. And God has told them multiple times, do not fear. And he's even proven it to them. He had already brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the ten plagues, Just as Pastor Joe prayed earlier, he had parted the sea for them, and they were able to walk across the sea with these big waves of water. He had led them with a pillar of of cloud and fire through the darkness and led them into into the cusp of the promised land that he was giving them. And all the while, he was constantly telling them, I'm bringing you to the place I have prepared for you. I am bringing you into the promised land. Not just any promise, the land that God, your creator, your heavenly father has promised you. And so they go through all these things. Now imagine, just put yourself in the scenario, okay? You've seen God turn all the water in Egypt to blood, ew, but he did it. You've seen him bring the plagues of frogs and locusts. You've seen him totally destroy the Egyptian army through not only parting the Red Sea, but bringing it down on your enemies. He's guided you through night with a pillar of fire and through day with a pillar of cloud. He's done some miraculous things. And so finally in Numbers chapter 14, they're about to step into the promised land that God has given them. But they do something that they should not have done. They begin to question whether or not God was going to do this. They begin to give in to their fear. Moses, the leader at this time, listens to the people who say, well, someone's got to go look at the land and see what's going on, okay? So Moses picks 12 spies from each tribe. There were 12 tribes. So he sends out these spies to the land. And when they come back, it doesn't go so well. Because what they tell the people they saw was, oh, the land is beautiful, but 
There's some big giant people out there who are going to squash us like bugs if we try to fight them. They're huge. We, we cannot fight them. There is nothing that we can do. They're going to destroy us. And these spies bring back this word to the nation of Israel, millions of people. And the Bible says that the bad report of these spies, I would say the fear-driven bad report from these spies, totally takes over millions of people. And they begin to say, we, we would, why don't you send us back to Egypt, Moses? It was way, listen to this, this is what fear can do to you. It was way better than we were in, when we were in chains as slaves than right now. God has brought us to our death. I don't remember God saying that. But think, thankful that there's always a couple people who just trust God. They're crazy enough to say, you know what, if God said it, we're just going to do it. And in Numbers 14, verse 6 through 9, here's what it says. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They were so upset that people would doubt God, they literally go Hulkamania all over their clothes. Like imagine if I did that. You'd be like, we're going to find a new church, honey, next week. But that's how upset they are. I don't think I could even do it. <laughs> I'd have to do the pre-cut like Hulk Hogan did. <laughs> they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored, is, oh, it's great, it's a wonderful land again. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. This is huge. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. This verse would be quoted later on in Scripture when it said, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know what's funny about this? Is God answers this whole scenario. And he brings down kind of the hammer of authority that is our God, which we have to realize. And he tells this nation of Israel that he had been showing up and so faithful to them over and over and over again. He tells them, none of you will see this promised land because you gave in to fear and you didn't believe. Only two people out of millions upon millions of people would see the promised land. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Why? Not because they were the biggest and strongest. They're like, let's go do this. Because they trusted what God said. They trusted that God is who he says he is. They trusted that God does what he says he's going to do. So they lead the next generation into the promised land. That's not easy. They got to fight these giants. They, they got to continue to trust God and do what he says because he has them do some crazy things to bring victory into their nation and into their lives. But they're the leaders, and Joshua becomes the ultimate leader of the nation of Israel. Why? Not because he was the biggest, not because he was the strongest, but... He said, God, if you say it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you no matter what because, Lord, you are with us. So I'm not going to be afraid of anything else. My hope for you is that the only thing that you would be afraid of in your life is missing on moments where you can trust God and step into the unknown and step into the unseen. But even actually step into the promised land that he's already told you he's going to give you. Let me give you some things to write down. The first thing is this, is that worry never changes anything for good. I mean, I, I would just ask you, when's the last time you just worried about something so hard, complained about something so strongly, you stressed out about something so significantly, and you were like, man, that really helped. 
wow, I feel so much better. No, it doesn't help. It may feel okay because it's kind of like that easy prescription to us to cope with things, but it doesn't do anything for good. That feeling always comes back and it doesn't actually solve the solution. It just numbs you to the problem. Worry never changes anything for good. And my challenge to you, local city, is that if it's worth worrying about, you better worship about it. Like what you said earlier. If it's worrying about it, and if my worry is outweighing my worship, then I'm always going to be afraid. But even in the midst of my worry and stress and fear of what's going on, I say, you know what, God, you're God. I don't care what the 10 spies say. I'm going to be the two guys who are like, if God said it, you can do it. I'm just going to take you at your word. Come on, that's good today. We need that. I need that. Because what happens to all those millions of people? They miss out on what God had promised them. Fear always deters you from God's best. God has the best for you, just to let you know. My plans for my life are great. God's were the best. Your plans for your life are great. You've thought them out, you've planned them, you've got your calendar, your mood boards, all the good stuff. That's fine. But God's plans are best. And sometimes you got to just, I'm not even looking at all that, God. I'm going to throw away my five-year plan. What do you have for me? What is the promised land that you want me to step into? Because fear will always deter me from God's best. Actually, fear leads us into destruction. I was doing some study about lions, which I like lions. They're cool. We've been reading a lot of Chronicles of Narnia at our house with Shepard, and he loves Aslan. He's a lion. But when lions hunt in the jungle, the male and female lions kind of tag team up when they're hunting prey. So the king, the lion, he will stand where he knows the antelope and animals are coming. And he will roar with this loud roar that will scare all the animals. And they'll run the opposite direction. But what they don't realize is that the female lion is waiting for them right there to chomp, chomp, eat them up, gone. Because the thing is, is that they're afraid of the roar, but it leads them right into the thing that's actually going to kill them. And I believe the enemy in our life operates the same way. Is that he loves to roar and shout and say, you can't do this. God's not as good as you think he is. You know what, you, you're in control, blah, blah, blah. And it sends you right into the thing that's going to eat you and destroy you. It always deters you from God's best. And here's the next thing. Failing to face our fears means they will always be there. God did not like what was going on in, the, in his promised land at that time. It was called Canaan at that time. And there was a lot of ish going on in Canaan, a lot of bad stuff. Child sacrifice, sexual immorality, total abandonment of God's righteousness. Sounds related to 2023. And he is calling his people to step in and bring back some goodness to his promised land. Someone had to deal with it because it was always going to be there. And my encouragement or challenge to you is that if you don't face your fears, they're always going to be there. If you don't face your fears, they're always going to exist. So rather than wait, why don't you just face them head on right now? Why don't you address the elephant in the room today? Why don't you take that next step today and face those fears so that they are eliminated and removed from your life? What are you waiting for? I don't want to live afraid. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live worrying all the time. I want to begin to step in to the promised land that God has for me. 
And again, it's not because I'm saying, look how great I am or look how awesome I am. It's because I'm simply trusting what God said and what God promised and what God said he would do. God said he would be there for you. God said he would fight your battles for you. God said that when you're surrounded by enemies, you're ultimately surrounded by him because he's bigger than your enemies. And so we lean into that and trust it. And I'm going to face my fears because I don't want them to keep being there in my life and my marriage and my family. I want them to get rid of every power they have and I want to step freely into the life that God's given me. How do I do this? Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Here's the statement for today. Fear is not the opposite for faith. It's the very occasion where faith can thrive. Fear is your opportunity to show that you have faith in God. Fear is your opportunity to show that, God, you are bigger and I am going to trust you today. Where is your fear right now? Is it your fear in ultimately surrendering everything to God? We say it this way at Local City, that if you would give God's church, whether it's local city or another Jesus-believing church here in the city, wherever it is, if you would give God's house one year of your life, you make Sundays a priority, you make serving a priority, you make getting in a small group or a circle a priority, and you start giving, I promise you at the end of that year, you will not recognize yourself spiritually anymore, who you are. And I can introduce you to a lot of people here in this room that would tell you that. So why don't you just do it? All right, cool. I'm 35 now, a year's not that long, okay? My second son is already almost nine months. Can't believe it, he's got seven teeth, they're growing everywhere, I don't get it. But time moves really fast. They're only in his mouth, he doesn't have any weird medical things, don't worry. Um, But time is moving really fast, he's about to be a year old. And I would hate for us to waste another year of our life because any year of our life lived in the opposite direction of God is a waste. So why don't you just live it in the direction of where he's calling you? Stepping deeper into the promised land. And maybe the first battle you need to say is, God, I'm surrendering you, to you, and I'm just going to trust you. It's a chance for faith in my life. It's the very occasion where that faith can thrive. Maybe it's finally getting from consuming on Sundays and contributing to what God's doing here. One of the things I love doing is checking in with people who serve on what we call our home team every Sunday. And people who have just started serving, and I love talking to them because here's what they say. Man, I feel like a part of this that I've never felt before. And I'm experiencing worship and the word way more because I feel like I helped make that happen. I'm a part of it. It's not something that I have to do. It's something that I get to do. And I truly now am a part of something that's bigger than myself. I'm part of what God is doing. Come hang at the seven-minute party afterwards today. Find where you can get connected. Give God that year. Take a step from a row to a circle this summer. In just a couple weeks, we're going to start our summer session of small groups where you can get in community and get filled up and get challenged and begin to get past those fears where faith can thrive in your life. Maybe God has been working on you within your giving and you've held on like this for so long. Why don't you just say, God, I'm not afraid anymore. You take it and see what he does with your generosity. Because how do we do this? you got to starve your fear and feed your faith. What you, well, you can write this down in the little extra notes part. I wrote it down in my journal a long time ago. What you starve dies, and what you feed thrives. Rather than feeding our fears through worry, 
through comparison, through pride and control, rather than feeding those things, why don't you just begin to starve them? Why don't you begin to starve those things so that they begin to lose strength over you and power over you and ultimately die? Why don't you begin to feed your faith in a powerful way? Why don't you begin to lean in to the things of God? I'm going to give you three practicals as we close, as the band comes up. But I was reading a story about a guy named Jacqueline Harold Lucas. And he was in World War II, and he fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima. And he was given the Medal of Honor because he did something that I cannot fathom ever doing for someone else. But in some of the trench warfare close combat that they were going through, it was he was in a trench with him and about four other soldiers, fellow soldiers. And during the midst of the battle, not one, but two grenades were thrown into their trench. And if you have ever been around a grenade, which I don't know why you have been, but if you've ever seen one on TV, those don't just sit there for very long. They are created to blow up and destroy all that's around them. You don't have a lot of time to think. And I was reading this story about Jacqueline Harold Lucas. It is said that as soon as he saw those two grenades, he jumped on one and grabbed the other one with his hand and brought it underneath him to protect his fellow other soldiers to make sure that they were safe. And yes, that's right. Amen. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, he survived. 26 surgeries later. And what's interesting about his story is that when the Vietnam War came around, he wanted to volunteer and go fight again. But they wouldn't let him because of the injuries he had sustained. But I go back to that moment of as soon as he sensed that something was about to happen that would hurt other people, he acted. Didn't wait. Didn't think, oh man, what's going to happen if I jump on that grenade? I know what's going to happen if it goes off and I don't. People are going to get hurt. In our life, we have to realize what's, what's going to happen if I don't take this step? What will it mean for my family? What will it mean for my marriage? What will it mean for my future? Can we make the decision today to be like that soldier and be so in the action of courage that no matter what is thrown our way, we will take the miraculous, courageous step to do whatever it takes to help others and to be the person that God has called us to be. How do you do this? Let me give you three practicals. The first thing is you gotta pause. The power of the pause allows our spirit to heal. Slow down. It's been said before, don't just stand there, do something. When you're afraid, my encouragement to you today would be to don't just do something, take a deep breath and stand for a moment. Breathe in the things of God. Bring in his, breathe in his strength. Breathe in his courage. It allows your spirit to heal. As we... As I said, as we begin to close, a few weeks ago, our, our small group, our family small group was closing out the semester, and we had family Olympics. It was awesome. I'm super competitive in those moments. And uh, let me show you a little picture here. One of the Olympic games was bench pressing your child. And I was able, it's no exaggeration, you can ask the other people, they'll tell you, not lying, God's honor. Uh, I bench pressed Shepard a hundred times. Let's go, somebody, come on. Let's go. I know you didn't believe that, I know, I know. Come on, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. For the Lord is with me wherever I go. Joshua, one night. Anyway, so what I told Shepard, though, was, hey, buddy, when we're doing this, I need you to be as still as possible. Like, don't move. You are like a plank of wood. Because I knew that the more he squirmed and the more he tried to, like, balance himself, I was going to lose the strength to be able to do this. And what made it possible was because he did not move. He was as still as a board. 
And I was, I was like, let's go, don't move, don't move. He was laughing and having a good time, but I said, be still, don't move, don't move. And I believe sometimes in our life, God is saying, hey, stop moving for a second, I'm trying to do something. Would you just slow down, would you just take a deep breath, stop wiggling, stop squirming, stop worrying, stop stressing, just pause for a moment, and let me get to 100 here, okay? Because I wanna brag about it later as your heavenly father about what I was able to do with you. That's what God wants to brag about what he's done, on your, done in your life. So you can brag to them with other people. Yeah, man, when I trust God, woo, it's awesome. Next thing is pray. Very spiritual, but very practical. Prayer changes the chemistry of your brain for the better. I'll just let this quote speak for itself and then we'll move on to the next one. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. I didn't write that, a doctor wrote it, so. But she is some neurologist, she studies the brain, and she said, over eight weeks, if you would commit to this, your brain will rewire itself. That's why we tell you the first 15 is so essential. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of God's word, and five minutes of worship. The first thing that you do will rewire your brain for the better, to a new level of health, to a new level of courage and strength. I pause, I pray, and then I let some intensity come out of feeding my faith. And it's what we said earlier, it's praise. Because praise forces our focus to shift from us to God. Focusing on your fears will never bring you breakthrough. Will never help you step into victory. Only focusing on something that is bigger than your fears, that is bigger than your situation, that is bigger than you, will help you move from faith, from fear to faith, will help you move from victim to victory. You've got to be willing to say, God, I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you through the battle. I am not going to be quiet. I'm not going to stand arms crossed anymore. I am going to lift you up because I desperately need that shift from me to you in my life so I can step into the courage that you have for me. That's what we're going to do today. Would you stand to your feet? And number one, give God some praise here today for the victory that he's given for us. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.